Today's daf is Yud Tet in Rosh Hashanah. We are on the bottom of Yud Chet Amud Bet. We are eight lines from the bottom of the Amud where it says Motiv, the last word of the line. Motiv of Achab Baruna. Achab Baruna raised an objection. And we're still discussing the question of whether a, a collection called Megillat Ta'anit, which was a collection of different minor holidays that were observed around the times of the second Bet HaMikdash. And afterwards, um, whether this collection of minor holidays where you weren't allowed to fast and you weren't allowed to uh, give eulogies is still in effect. And so the, uh, the objection is raised. Motiv rav achabaruna betlatab tishrei betilat ad kartam in shtaraya. It says that on the third of Tishrei, the idea of mentioning Hashem's name in contracts was eliminated and therefore it became a day of celebration. Uh, according to Megillat Tanit, because the kingdom of Greece made a decree that you could not mention the name of Hashem. And when the Hasmoneans, the Hashmonai, prevailed, so then they instituted that they should mention the name of Hashem even in contracts, meaning even in secular documents. They would write in such and such year to Yochanan, the Kohen Gadol, to the Most High God, and when the Chachamim heard about this, they said, They said, tomorrow this guy's going to pay his uh, contracts, going to pay his obligation, and then the contract's going to be thrown in the garbage with Hashem's name. So they went along and they canceled this idea of mentioning the name of Hashem in secular documents. And that Yom Tov would have been, uh, that was recorded in Megillat Ta'anit. Now, and if you're going to tell me that Megillat Ta'anit is now obsolete, we don't observe those minor holidays, we don't observe a restriction on fasting or a restriction on, on eulogies because they're not minor holidays anymore. If that's true, so then you're saying that the earlier ones were canceled. Should we now add on additional ones? If, in other words, if you're saying that the original one was canceled, then how can they be adding on new ones even later, even um, after the time of the Chashmonaim, they were still adding on additional holidays. Why would they add on additional holidays if they canceled the original ones? So it says, This is talking about when the Beit HaMikdash still existed. In other words, when the Beit HaMikdash still existed, so not only did Megillat Tanit, uh, was it valid, but you could even add to it. Once the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash took place, Megillat Tanit became obsolete because even uh, because the uh, the fast days that would have been minor holidays during the Beit HaMikdash times were now sad days. So certainly we're not going to have additional holidays from Megillat Tanit. And, uh, and so there, therefore Megillat Tanit became canceled according to us. That was after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. But during the standing of the Beit HaMikdash, it was still in effect. Now the Gemara says, Isn't the third of Tishrei anyway the day of Tzom Gedaliah? It's the day that Gedaliah ben Achikam was killed. And therefore, during the times of the second Beit HaMikdash, it should already have been a holiday because we said that all fast days were actually holidays during the times of the Beit HaMikdash, uh, second Beit HaMikdash. Amarav, we have in our version Amarav, according to the site, it should say Amaravah. That uh, the only reason why we need Megillat Tanit to tell us that the third day of Tishrei was a happy day during the second Beit HaMikdash time was to tell you that even the day before it is prohibited in fasting or eulogizing. But even the day before Tzom uh, Gedalia is the day after Rosh Chodesh. In other words, it's really the second day of uh, Rosh Hashanah. It's the day after Rosh Chodesh. 
right? So therefore, um, since it's the day after Rosh Chodesh, because it's the second day of Tishrei, it would anyway be a day that you wouldn't have fasting or eulogizing because days before and after special days, the day before and the day after also are special days. It says, no, there Rosh Chodesh, they'll write that. Biblical institutions don't require strengthening. So the biblical day of a holiday, we won't fast on it and we won't eulogize on it because we know it's a holiday. The day before and after, we don't have to prohibit because we know that the holiday is a holiday. But when you're trying to reinforce these minor holidays, it was necessary to make even the day before and the day after somewhat festive in order to make sure that the minor holidays were observed. The Tani we said in the Brayta. All of the days that are mentioned in Megillah Tanit as minor holidays where you can't fast or you can't eulogize, the day before and the day after them is also prohibited in fasting and eulogizing. However, when it comes to the biblical holidays and when it comes to Shabbat, the day before and after, meaning Friday and Sunday, you're allowed to fast or to eulogize. What's the difference between them? That when it comes to uh, biblical laws like Shabbat and Yom Tov, biblical holidays, where we know there's a celebration involved, we don't need to make the day before and after celebratory in order to know that the day in the middle is celebratory. But when it comes to the rabbinic ones, we have to reinforce them by making the day before and the day after also quasi holidays. Well, if that's the case, then the second day of uh, Tishrei should also be considered a holiday because it's the day before the, in other words, not because it's the day after Rosh Hashanah or Rosh Chodesh, but because it's the day before um, the day that Gedalia was killed. And since the day that Gedalia was killed was celebrated as a minor holiday during the second Bit Mikdash times, like all the other minor fasts, so therefore the day before it should also not be allowed in fasting, fasting or, in, uh, or, or in eulogizing. And so the second day of Tishrei should also be a day that is semi-festive. You would be right, except for one thing, which is that the fast of Gedalia is based on a story that's actually mentioned in the Tanakh, the murder of Gedalia. And it's mentioned in the prophet Zechariah, um, the idea of having the fast days of uh, of. Uh, of Tzom Gedalia and Asarab Tevet and Shiva Asarab Tammuz and Zishabav. And so therefore, they're not considered to be purely rabbinic. They're considered to be Divrei Kabbalah, meaning they're mentioned in the Tanakh. And therefore, you don't need to strengthen them either. You don't have to impose anything before and after them to get the point across that during the second Beit HaMikdash times, they were uh, considered happy days. You don't need to therefore make the day before and the day after happy too. On the 28th day... And this is again quoting from uh, this is quoting from the uh, from the Megillah Ta'anit, and it says on Adar the twenty eighth day of Adar I, is uh, is considered to be Atat Besorutat Avtali Yehudei that there's a the, a good news came to the Jews that made it a minor holiday Idun that they would not be removed. Uh, disconnected from the Torah. What does it mean? Because because there was a decree from the kingdom that they should, that the Jewish people should not study Torah and they shouldn't be able to circumcise their sons and they should be forced to break the Shabbat. 
What did Yehuda ben Shimon's colleagues do? They went and consulted with a certain matron who was very influential, and all of the men of Rome would consult with her. So they went to ask her what they should do. She said to them, "Go and protest and cry out at night." They went and did that. They said, by, uh, by heavens, are we not your brothers? Are we not the sons of the same father? Meaning we're all created by the same God. Are we not all from the same mother? In other words, we're all from, uh, we're all the, uh, we're all brothers. We are all the children of Adam and Chava, uh, father and mother. Meaning we're all, um, for God's sake, we're all one big family in the world. And and therefore, anachnu manishtaneno mikol. I'm sorry. And and therefore, velo bnei emachat anachnu manishtaneno mikol umav lashon. Why are we different than any other nation? Shatem gozrin aleno gzerot kashot. That you're putting upon us such difficult decrees. Ubitlu when they decided to cancel the decree. Voto ayom asu yom tov. And because of that, on the twenty eighth of Adar it became a holiday because um, they were they were the decree against learning to was cancelled. Now visal kedatach batla megilat tanit. Then if you're going to tell me that megilat tanit is cancelled, kamaita batula. If we're already saying that Megillah Tan was cancelled after the destruction of the second Beit HaMikdash, then how could they add additional holidays into it later on? Maybe you'll tell me that this happened also when the Beit HaMikdash was still around, and that's why they were adding to Megillah Tan. It's not true. But we see that we know that Yehuda Ben Shemua was a student of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir, he was after the times of the Beit HaMikdash. If a person had uh, a glass glassware that there was a hole in it and they put lead into the hole to fill it, so Gamliel said that Yehuda ben Shemua said that it's that it is still tamei in the name of Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim. The Chachamim say it's pure. Now there's two possible understandings of what the Machloket here is, according to Rashi. Um, the case, the one version of the case is that we're talking about a situation where the item, where the glass vessel was already tamei before, and normally the rule is that if a glass vessel is tamei and it gets a hole in it, it loses its tumah, and even if you repair it, it doesn't get the tumah back. Whereas a metal vessel, if you break it. Uh, and you then you repair it, it gets its tum'ah back. So the question is, is the fact that they plugged this glass vessel with metal, does it make it into a metal vessel, which therefore the tum'ah comes back, or does it make it just into a glass vessel again, in which case the tum'ah doesn't come back? That's one interpretation of Rashi that Rashi gives in the bottom of Yud Tet Amud Aleph. However, on, on Yud Tet Amud Bet, Rashi gives another interpretation uh, where he says, Inyan Acher, it's the first Rashi on the Daf, on the Amud uh, Yud Tet Amud Bet, where he says that we're talking about a case where um, where uh, we're, we're not talking about that it became tamei and then and then was broken and then repaired. We're talking about is it subject to tumah at all? Because we know that uh glass vessels are only subject to tumah rabbinically. So do we say that the fact that this glass vessel had a hole in it and it was filled with lead now it becomes like a metal vessel and it's biblically subject to tumah? Or do we say no that it's still we go by the ascent, the essence of what it is, which is a me, which is a uh, glass utensil and therefore it's not going to be mikabel tumah. Either way, we see that Yehuda ben Shemua was a talmid of Rabbi Meir here and therefore he lived too late to say that things that he innovated were really during the times of the second Beit Hamikdash because the second Beit Hamikdash was not around anymore. And so the Gemara answers Tanaihi. Really, it's a machloket Tanaim about this whole question of Megillat Tanit that we've been discussing up till now. Whether so, the sources that seem to clearly indicate that they had Megillat Tanit and were still adding holidays to it even after the destruction of the Beit Hamikdash is taking the position that Megillat Tanit is still in effect. And the side that says that uh, Megillat Tanit was cancelled would say that nothing could be added to it later either. 
Now, the Gemara goes on to explain. These days are written in Megillah Tanit. Rabbi Meir says that it doesn't matter whether the Beit HaMikdash is standing or not. Whatever is written in Megillah Tanit, a person is not allowed to fast on those days or eulogize on those days, depending on the situation that is described in Megillah Tanit. Now, Rabbi Yossi Omer, in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, it's that we don't, we, uh, we say that, um, we do observe these happy times that are written in Megillah Tanit, but in Beit HaMikdash Kayam, Mutarin, once the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, now you're allowed to fast and eulogize on the days that were written in Megillah Tanit, because now it's a sad day again. Right? The halacha is that they were cancelled and they weren't cancelled. How could you say that? How could one statement of the halacha say that they are cancelled and one say that they're not? It depends. On Chanukah and Purim, there we say that Megillah Tanit is still in effect and you're not allowed to have any fasting or any eulogizing on those dates. However, the rest of the days in Megillah Tanit did indeed become obsolete as holidays. We know that we send out messengers to as far as we can in Israel to let everybody know when the Rosh Chodesh is um, in six months of the year. One of them is Elul to tell them when Rosh Hashanah is going to be. One of them is Tishrei to tell them when the rest of the holidays are going to be. So the question the Gemara asks is once they're already going out in Elul, why do they have to go out in Tishrei? People can just count to figure out when Tishrei is going to be. Maybe you'll say that they made Elul maybe a 30-day month and therefore counting simply from Rosh Chodesh Elul until Rosh Chodesh Tishrei could be misleading because there's an extra day inserted there that everybody else didn't know about and that's why you have to go around and tell everybody. That from the days of Ezra on, we don't find any Elul that was 30 days. Right? Meaning to say that uh, therefore you can always assume it's 29 days. And if you can always assume it's 29 days, and if you know when the Rosh Chodesh of Elul was, if you found that out, you should be able to figure out Tishrei, and this messenger shouldn't have to go throughout all of Israel to tell everyone. What that means is not that they never. Uh, made an Elul with an extra day. What it means is that that uh, they never uh, th- that Lo uh, Matinu means they never had a need. But if they did have a need, then they would make an Elul a little bit longer. But that's going to mess up Rosh Hashanah because the people who are observing it in Chutz Aretz are going to observe it on the wrong. The first day is not going to really be the first day of, of the new month. The first day is really going to be the last day of Elul. But better that Rosh Hashanah be messed up. And of course, since they're keeping two days, they're covered anyway. Right? Better that, they, that it be messed up. And not ruin the rest of the holidays. We can infer this as well. Because it says in order to fix the holidays. Meaning not Rosh Hashanah itself. Um, uh, not the, uh, you mean when they're going out to, uh, uh, to, even though it might mess up Rosh Hashanah a little bit when, because they're going to get the wrong idea, potentially the people in Chutzah will get the wrong idea of when Rosh Hashanah is. But the other holidays we need to fix by sending out uh, messengers in Tishrei, even though uh, they won't be able to fix uh, Tishrei itself because it's going to be too late for that. So um, the Gemara goes on. It says that uh, if the... Oh, I, I skipped part. It says that they go out in Kislev to tell everybody when Chanukah is going to be, and they go out in Adar to tell everybody when, um, when the uh, new moon was, so they can calculate Purim. 
that if it was a Shana Me'uberet where there's an extra Adar and Purim is actually in the second Adar, then they have to send that messengers in the second, Purim, second Adar telephone. I'm sorry, it says like this. Right, so it doesn't say in our Mishnah anything about what about sending out messengers in the second Adar, only in the first. Obviously, this is not following Rabbi. The time we learned in a bright that Rabbi Omer in the Tabrashana Yotzin Af Al Darshini, because Rabbi said that if there is an Ibur Shana, if they add an additional month to the calendar, then even in the second Adar, they have to send messengers out to tell everybody. But now Purim Tavon when Purim is going to be Leim Av Hakam Bepolgi. Maybe this is the Machlok at the Morsa Varkum Mitzvah No Gav B'Shem No Gav B'Rishon or Morsa Varkum Mitzvah No Gav B'Shem No Gav B'Rishon. Maybe he'll say like that. That any mitzvah that's supposed to be done in the second month, meaning in the second Adar, when there are two months of Adar, is, uh, can be practiced in the first. Meaning if it's done in the first month, it'll be good. And the other one says, no, any mitzvot that are done in the second month, meaning in the second Adar, the Adar Sheni, are not able to be done in the first month. Okay, so that's the, uh, so Rashi says that, um, therefore what, that, uh, Oh, that if, according to the one, according to uh, the view, that if they did the mitzvot that are supposed to be done in the second Adar, in the first Adar, you're Yotzei Dechova, you fulfilled the mitzvah. So according to that, then they wouldn't have to send out messengers in the second Adar, because even if Bidiavad people did it in the first Adar on the right, on the uh, uh, proper day, then they don't need this, the Adar, uh, the second Adar Purim anyway. But according to the view that says that even if they did Adar in the first Purim, in the first Adar, and then the second Adar was created, they still would have to do it all over again on the second Adar. That's the, uh, that seems to be the conclusion of the Gemara. And the, uh, the Gemara goes on. Actually, everybody agrees that mitzvot that are supposed to be done in the second Adar cannot be fulfilled in the first Adar. What they're arguing about is the Ibur Shana is about extending the year when we have an intercalation of an extra month of the year. Then how, much, how many days should there be in the Adar, the extra Adar that we add to the calendar when we extend the year? It said 30 days. says, no, a month. Now, right now, the Gemara is assuming a Chodesh means 29 days. So in, you're going to tell me that why did they have to, uh, if it was 30 days even, so then... Uh, you wouldn't have to tell anybody because, in other words, you wouldn't have to send out additional messengers for the next month because people can just count 30 days from month to month. However, if it's 29 days, they can't do that. So the Gemara says, why, why can't they do that if it's 29 days? Right? That, that's still a question. So he says, uh, um, and, and that's exactly what the, uh, what the Gemara is going to say. That, people know the uh, 29 days, just like another 30. Papa, ma, uh, that's why he says, uh, When it says Chodesh, it doesn't mean the, uh, uh, it doesn't mean that uh, they do 29 days. Because if, if it meant 30 days during 29 days, or 29 days, we can always just count from the last Rosh Chodesh to the next one. And we don't have to worry. But, so what does it mean? When it says Chodesh, it means it's variable. Sometimes they'll decide to make it 30, sometimes they'll decide to make it 29. And the only way you can know for sure is by having messengers go out after Rosh Chodesh is, de- is declared to tell as many people as possible what the correct date of the... Uh, of the holidays uh, is going to be. Um, and so therefore, uh, it, according to that, the machloket would be that according to the view that you don't have to send out messengers in the second Adar, that's because the previous, when, whenever the month is made a double, whenever the month is uh, a leap year, 
um, it's always uh, 30 days additional. However, according to the view that uh, it varies from 29 to 30, so then you really can't know for sure unless you have messengers go out again a little bit later um, and not rely on the ones from the previous, uh, from the previous event. The Gemara goes on. He testified in the name of the holy community of uh, Regarding the two months of Adar, in other words, when you have a leap year like this year, that you consecrate them on the day of their Ibor, in other words, on the 30th day they are consecrated, which means to say that they are 29 day months. Um, the Memra de chaserin avdinam, which means to say that they are chaser. The yom ibur means the 30th days. If the kiddush chodesh of the new month happens on the 30th day, that means the previous month is only a 29-day month. So that means that both of them, both of the adarim should be, um, according to this, 29 days. But we don't make them we don't make them 30 days. said, um, and the correction on the side reads, did Darish of Nachman Bar Chizda? Hey, is Rabbi Sima Mishum Chagazachar In other words, this is the testimony of Rav Nachman Bar Chizda that Rabbi Simai testified in the names of Chagai, Zechariah, and Malachi. According to this, it doesn't matter if you want to do both months, 29-day months, both Adarim, that's fine. If you want to make both 30-day months, that's fine. If you make one 30 and one 20, that's also fine. And that's what they did in the diaspora. When the name of Rabbeinu was Rav, they said... Always one is full and one is one is uh, lacking. In other words, the first adar, the the extra adar that we insert, should be a thirty day adar, and the second adar should be a twenty nine day month. No, until you know that Rosh Chodesh has been established in its proper time. Rashi says, until those who come from came from Eretz Yisrael said that the Bet Din established the Rosh Chodesh on the thirtieth of the previous uh, adar. Then they make the previous Adar Chasev. In other words, they base it upon um, uh, uh, the empirical facts, not based upon a theory. And uh, that's how they determine whether to make it uh, Chasev or to make it Malay, and whether to make it a 30-day month or a 29-day month um, is uh, up to the decision of the Bedin until they hear, uh, in other words, in the Gola, in the Galut, that's what they would do until they would hear from on high, they would hear from Yerushalayim that they needed to do something differently, that they had a more authoritative rabbi coming to decide, for the, to, uh, uh, to determine that. So the, uh, so in other words, the default would be to assume the first one was a 30-day month and the second one was a 29 until somebody authoritative from Eretz Yisrael came and corrected it and said, no, the first one was a 29-day month. Um, otherwise, the default would be full followed by deficient, meaning 30-day followed by 29 day when there are two Adarim in a year.